During this past month, we have been focused on generosity's gifts taking the next step, and this month has had an opportunity for us to do a lot of uh, invitation and reflection about uh, the generosity of God to us and the possibilities when we share together generously. Today is a Sunday where all of that comes together in a few moments when you'll be invited to make commitments of the generosity's gifts that are stirring in your heart. Before we do that, uh, we're going to share a few thoughts, and and Tom's about ready to read scripture to us. It comes from uh, Matthew 7, which is at the beginning of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew, Jesus begins his ministry by giving this message. It's like he pulls people together who want to listen and say, here's what I'm going to be about. Let me lay down to you the core of what this thing's going to be and how your life will be if you follow me. And then he gives this, this message. And throughout this message, he, he teaches us how to live blessed lives. He teaches us that we are unique gifts to the world in his name. We are called to live righteously, to let go of our anger, to live faithfully, to keep the word when we say it, uh, to love, yes, our enemies, to eliminate hypocrisy from our life, to pray honestly, to rid ourselves of greed, to put God first, to lay your worries down, not to judge, to always seek and desire the gifts of God, to treat others as you want to be treated, to be committed to following a holy path, to realize that the truth of your heart and spirit are always revealed in your actions, and don't fake faith. That's what he lays out in the sermon, and then he comes to this conclusion saying, now if you do these things, listen. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts of them will be be a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and a great fall it was. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Tom. Would you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the stirring of your Holy Spirit and whatever is happening within our own hearts and minds, whatever we brought into this moment of worship, we pray that you'll take all of these things, Lord, and make of them what they need to be for us to hear you, to be drawn closer to you, to reflect, to reflect you in our life. We pray this in Christ our Lord. Amen. When Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount of the way in which he did it, I think he was making a very clear declaration. 
He didn't come so that we could just live religious lives. He didn't come so we could have just proper theology. He didn't come so we could find support for the arguments of the biases we already carry. He came to teach us a peculiar lifestyle. He came to make it possible for us to live that lifestyle by the way in which he lived his life and gave his life and was resurrected in the name of God so that we could have the power that he promised. To follow Jesus means to live as unique and blessed people, joyfully and humbly. And we have found over the ages, when we remember it, that when we follow his pathway, we truly discover joy. We discover that we're living with a purpose to our life, not just wandering throughout the world, bouncing to and fro from the other external things that happen around us. We discover that we have an impact in ways that change the world. To choose to live as Jesus taught, to just take the Sermon on the Mount and say, I'm going to give that a go for this week. It's to put ourselves in a position to be able to impact this world by standing on a firm foundation. Because clearly, it seems to me, I will not need to take much time this morning to give you the evidence of the fact the world is standing on pretty shaky ground. That if we can stand close to Jesus Christ and rise above our biases and our blindness, if we can be humbled enough to let Christ forgive us for our failings and our mistakes, and if we, in that humility, can offer ourselves anew as a new creation because of Christ and Christ alone, we're able to live in a community of joy and faithfulness. We can become the impossible, imperfect people being drawn together into a holy community. This generous lifestyle is the witness of Scripture. And I believe it's what we've come to experience in our life here collectively. When we, each of us in our own life, receive gifts of generosity, we feel blessed. Our burdens are lifted. This, this past week, Laura and I were on the receiving end of an act of amazing generosity. What it was isn't important because it doesn't matter. It was like every other act of generosity. When you receive it, you feel lighter. You feel like you can smile if here. You feel like maybe you're not alone. I want you to think of moments in your life when you've experienced generous things given to you, generous messages that you've received. The test said it was benign. You passed. I love you too. I'm sorry. You get the job. The scholarship is yours. I'm coming home. You are forgiven. When you've heard words like that, Does it not change who you are and what your day is? 
When we follow Christ, we discover that even in the face of the worst of life, generosity has a way of showing up. The generosity of friends who stand with us in dark hours, the generosity of faith that helps even the deepest of grief and injustice not hold us forever. We're not alone. Generosity's gifts come to us to remind us that together we are part of a community of faith. And on those nights and days, and they certainly do exist, when we do not find peace or love or faithfulness or grief that seems to want to leave, there's a generosity of the faith community in Jesus Christ who says, it's not better now. But we won't leave you until it is. These are all gifts of generosity. The ones we receive and the ones we share and give away. These are the gifts of generosity that shape our lives, that define our community, that give witness to what we truly believe and who we are. They defy cynicism, they shatter fear, and allow us to live with expectant hope. When we embrace generosity, we become the antidote to a desperate world. When we live generously, we infect that world with grace and hope. We become witnesses of Christ in the world. Because the world doesn't expect generosity. In fact, the world will do everything to teach you not to be generous. And when you are generous... People think you're crazy. Good. Tell them why. Living generously is not about what we do. I think we're starting to understand that. It's about who we are and whose we are. It is declaring where we want to stand in this world. Every day we make choices about how we're going to live either consciously or even surprising to ourselves, And they're lived out every day by the testimonies of our actions and our spirit. Do we really trust Jesus? Is a good question to ask every morning. Do we speak holy sermons, not by our words, but by the actions of our lives? And are our lives testimonies of generosity in the way Jesus was generous? Well, this morning, I'm inviting each and every one of you in this room to make a commitment to live generously. The choice is either to do that or to continue to try to battle the world by standing on sinking sand. It seems to me it's pretty simple. And the invitation is for every one of you here, whether you have attended this church for a long time or this is your first Sunday with us. Today happens to be the final Sunday of our month-long theme of generosity's gifts, taking the next step. And in a few minutes, I'm going to extend an invitation for all of you who count this as their church to support the financial ministry of the church by your commitment and filling out an estimate of giving card. But I want you to understand, we are doing more than raising a budget. We are taking steps to live generously. Now, in the Pew, I'm just going to tell you this right now, there are already 
envelopes with a pen. Did you find them? You're going to, in a few minutes, not now, because you're, re- you're listening to this sermon and you don't want to be distracted. Remember that. You're going to take it out and you're going to discover that there are cards in there and one of them is an estimate of giving card and on it it says right on here, this is what I'm going to give to the church in 2019, either per week, per month, or per year. And you can fill it out. On the back side, it tells you how you're going to give or you tell us how you're going to give it and it gives you options. And I'm just going to tell you, if you have questions about the backside, you can fill out this side today, knowing what you're going to give, and during the week, call the office, and Kathy can help you figure out how to fill out this side. We can work that out with you. But also in, that, in this uh, envelope is a blank card, two of them. Because living generously is not simply what you give financially. It is what you give of your heart, of your time, of your talent, of your prayers, what you turn over to God. So I'm inviting everyone in this room, whether it's your first Sunday or you're a regular member or part of this congregation, to take time in a few minutes to fill out a commitment to how you want to live more generously in the world, how you want to stand on firm foundation of Christ, what you need to do next in your next step of faith. All of us can do that. And if you need to pray more, I get it. My prayers don't always line up by the deadlines of my life. I invite you to stay in prayer. But don't wiggle out of making a commitment. What I mean by that is we all need to finally say yes to what we're going to stand on. And whether it's the financial card or a life card, make a commitment this week to stand with Jesus. I want to tell you personal testimony that Laura and I, my wife Laura and I, I want to make sure we don't get confused. This is Laura Spearin, who's a deacon. That's my wife Laura back here standing right now, loving that I'm asking her to do that. There you go, my darling. Well, we spent time this week figuring out what we were going to do. And the truth is, it was not always an easy conversation, nor was it obvious what we were going to do in this campaign. But it was a good conversation. It was a conversation that pushed us to think and pray and see possibilities as the conversation unfolded. At the end of the conversation, we were able to do what we, at the beginning of the conversation, weren't sure what we were going to be able to do, which is to take the next step in our financial giving. You remember the step chart last week? I tell you that to say this. We all have an opportunity to take steps. Last year, we didn't take the next step. We increased, but we couldn't take the next step. The issue here is that our giving is critically important to being a part of helping make this ministry successful financially. But committing to Christ... And prioritizing Christ in all areas of our life is the most important thing. And I pray you do that today. All of us. I invite you in the name of Christ to consider that as an act of faith, to say yes to him. Today, yes, we are working to raise the budget for 2019, but we're doing more than that. We're raising disciples. We are confirming our faith. 
We are setting the course to live by that I now have understood at a deeper level than I ever knew before brings peace and joy. And in this church, there is no place for obligation or guilt. We give because of the generosity of God's love. And what we give freely, joyfully, is the right gift. Money, time, talent, prayer. We come together because we've come to discover we can do more together than we can do on our own. Now, in a few moments, we're going to invite you to come forward. But before that, I'm going to give you some time to think and pray. And We're going to have the kids join us in a few minutes. And parents who have kids up in Sunday school, I'm going to give you permission to go get them. They're going to be out in the narthex. Bring them in, sit down with you, and we're going to come forward together in a few minutes. And over the past three weeks, before we do that, I want to remind you, we've heard testimonies of how generosity has impacted lives of Paul and Ann and Don and Sean and Laura. And in just a way as clear as important, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to make your testimony by what you're saying yes to in your life. Maybe what you can do, family, if you have your kids with you, is on that blank card, ask them what they would want God to do for them, what they would want to have prayed for, and write it on the card with them, bring that forward. We will pause to pray to bless the steps and commitments we make today. But I want to leave you with this. Tom read to you the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. If you do these things, you'll be like standing on firm ground. And then, at the end of the sermon, he said, okay, everybody, let's get up and go. What happened next, do you know? They left and went out, and Jesus immediately is encountered with the man who had leprosy. When you get a preacher right after the sermon, right after worship, we may not be at our best. We gave it all. At 12.15 this afternoon or 12.30, whatever time I'm leaving the sanctuary, I'm going to watch the lions. Don't stop me. I'm tired. I've preached two sermons. You know. Jesus has just preached a massive sermon to 5,000 people, and he's walking out, and this guy comes up and says this, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. I could have said, if I were him, Megan's still at the church. Why don't you go talk to her? Lord does congregational care. Really, that's her department. Here's the kind of Lord you serve. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I do choose. And healed him. Because the Lord you and I serve has never met a moment where he didn't choose us generously, even now.